Welcome to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you like it, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street in Boston for more, or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org. And their eyes were opened. In our culture, in our language, in our society, when we hear about the eyes opening, what do we think? We think, we think that we can see better and we can see more clearly. The thing is, this particular verse is the point at which much of Christianity says original sin. This is the moment where original sin starts. Now, There's also a lot of Christianity that does not believe in original sin, and I I have to admit I'm one of those people. I don't believe in original sin. This story might not actually be about implanting sin that travels genetically from person to person to person, but rather it might be a story of the human condition, one not about the implantation of sin, but actually one about maturing and growing. In a few months, I'm assuming, we're going to hear these exact same words, and their eyes were opened, but it's going to be followed by something else. It's going to be followed by, and they knew him. This is what the disciples heard when their eyes were opened after the resurrection. In this case, their eyes are opened to a different thing. Their eyes are opened, and something shifted where all of a sudden they saw that they were naked. All of a sudden they were embarrassed. All of a sudden they saw evil and good. Now this, I do not think, comes from the fact that they ate the apple. It comes from the fact that they made a decision. They made a choice to violate what God had asked them to do. They became knowledgeable of both good and evil the second they were willing to say that three is mine. Now we have another tree that we heard about in the song earlier, the tree of life, which also kind of books in it. So we have, we have a story of people's eyes being opened, and we have stories of trees. And these things are actually connected, because without the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we do not get the tree of life. But today we are talking about the eyes being opened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. They walked with God. They had all the food they wanted. We assume it didn't rain and that the temperature was good. And yet, they made a simple choice. They did the one thing that God didn't want them to do. Now, I'm going to switch away from the Bible for here and talk about my kids. My kids, a great example of this. You know, I... I've seen this in my children. When they're young, they have no concerns of good or evil, right or wrong, right? They're they're little babies. They're crawling around. They're just exploring. I think most of us did this when we were young. Anyone who didn't, let me know. (laughs) They don't understand when they're little babies the idea that something can be separate from them. Everything they understand is just kind of theirs, and they exist in a blissful little world. We try and keep them safe. What do we say to them? We tell them not to touch the things they're going to choke on. We tell them not to stick their fingers in light sockets. We do things to try and keep them safe. But what happens? What happens when we teach them? 
they eventually do not listen. This whole world is God's creation. And I don't mean to insult anybody, but what's the difference between us and a rock? Yeah, what's the difference between us and a rock? Between us and a tree? We're created in the image and likeness of God. And what does that mean? Does it mean that God is in the shape of a person? Maybe. But maybe the image and likeness is about our ability to know evil. What if our image is our ability to have the choice to do what is good or the choice to do what is bad? The knowledge of good and evil is one of the ways that we are like God. Think about it. God, pretty powerful person, right? Omnipotent, all-knowing. God could have not put that tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden. God could have at least had a nice decorative fence that they didn't have a key to, couldn't climb over. God could have made it. So eating the fruit of that tree was not going to change who they were. But it did. See, this... I'll admit it, I like science. I don't know if this is a historical passage. I wasn't there. But I look at the truth of this passage as being something about the human condition. We were created to be able to choose God. If we did not have this moment spiritually, we couldn't actually choose God. We would just be a robot. We would be a rock. There's a moment in each of our lives, a simple moment, and I'm not attacking any one of you. I did it too. There's a moment when we realize that we can hold something and we can say the most powerful word we have ever said in our lives. Mine. We can say mine. And we struggle with that word the rest of our lives. We struggle with it in different ways. We learn to share a little bit, but there are places when we say mine, 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 And only if we have a spiritual awakening do we start to understand that nothing is ours. Everything in this world, everything in our lives is God's. I struggle and I remember the first time my children told me a lie. Again, it wasn't a super horrible. The great thing about kids is they tell the lie and they can't actually hide the expression. They haven't learned to lie well. And I think about Adam trying to hide from God. He's a bad liar at this moment. When we're young kids, we're just like this. We, we think we're ashamed of our nakedness. We hide. We're bad hiders. Don't worry. We get better at it. It's a bittersweet moment. It's a bittersweet moment when your child first lies to you. It's a bittersweet moment when maybe a friend first lies to you. The fact of the matter is, when kids do it, it's a moment when they begin the spiritual process of the separation of themselves so that they can choose God. It's a time where we should step up and we should guide and we should teach and we should work with them. We should not necessarily be mad at the first lie. From that moment on, my children would struggle and I knew that it was my job as a parent to help them in it. In the same way that the God gives us the word and gives us our faith that we can be guided in this fight over mine. Our eyes were opened and we said mine. 
So here's the good news. We can return to innocence, but we can only return to innocence in a new way. We cannot go back to that time where we did not understand the existence of evil, but we can return to innocence by understanding the power and beauty of good. We can return to innocence by actively seeking love. And we can do it by seeking love in our hearts, in our lives, and in our world around it. We can praise the good that people do, and we can stop saying, mine. Or we can choose ourselves over other people. We can choose ourselves over God, and then we are struck with toil and work and difficulty. When the Lord appears before the disciples, their eyes were opened, and it was a sign of them acknowledging a spiritual life. And I'm letting you know it did not get easier for the disciples. They had hard lives. They had difficulties. But they were at peace because they understood that their lives had been handed over to God. One might ask, why does God make us go through this? Why does God make us go through this difficulty? And it's because God wants to love us. God wants us to learn what it is like to love. And we can't know that without going through this difficulty to some degree. We have a choice like Adam and Eve. We have the choice that the people throughout the Bible have. We have the choice to struggle and learn to live God's will. We have the choice to be spiritual. If we're going to be spiritual, we need to bring our sins and our evils into the light. We need to actually acknowledge the bad things that happen to us if we're going to deal with them. We need to acknowledge typos and bulletins. We need to acknowledge the leaving out of communion and not just try and push communion under there. We need to acknowledge the problems if we're going to fix them because if they are under the rug... We just forget about them. Each of us go through this. This church is going through this. Maybe our country and our world are going through this. Everyone is saying mine. But we have the message of the gospel that can transform us. We can relieve ourselves from the pain of difficulty if we live the lessons that Jesus taught us in our gospel lesson today. One does not live by bread alone. Do not test your God and ultimately worship the Lord your God. These simple things in temptation help us acknowledge the fact that the word mine is fictitious. We need to seek God's love understand what God is calling us to do. We need to acknowledge the gifts we have are not our gifts. The gifts that this church has been given from its ancestors, the gifts that this church generates in the future, the gifts that each of us bring to this church are not our gifts. They're God's. We can't say mine. The disciples those closest to God on earth struggled with this and they had to toil but eventually they saw the light they stopped saying mine and start saying yours communion at this moment is a time for us to do a recommitment of our faith it is a time where we as people can come together we as a church can come together 
and promise not to say mine. Rather, we can take the new covenant in our Lord and have it feed our souls as we say, our lives are yours. So let us rejoice in this gift of God for the people of God, that we might endure the temptation. Let us worship God by being disciples and use the gifts that God has given us as cherished treasures to love a broken world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Boston Society of the New Jerusalem's Church on the Hill podcast. If you liked what you hear, consider joining us at 140 Bowden Street, Boston, for more. Or visit us on the web at churchonthehillboston.org.